The following is the extended cut of our live session at the Michigan Council of Teachers of Mathematics Conference on July 20th, 2023. The theme of this episode is experimenting. In that spirit, we experimented with a different approach to recording the audio, but there are still some issues. We appreciate your understanding. We are grateful to the wonderful educators that joined the session and shared their experiences and expertise. The following people gave us permission to share their thinking with you. Kathy Coffey, Brian Dotson, Kim Fox, Jill Gums, Tara Maynard, Laura Percival, Ginger Rohr, Stephanie Shooks, and Ryan Slomka. Welcome, I'm Dave. I'm John. And this is Teaching Like Ted Lasso. And we're recording for the podcast. One of the reasons we got this started was we wanted to hear the voices of teachers. And we wanted to hear what you are doing and connect it with what we saw as themes of the show. And today, the theme we want to talk about is experiments. So our goal for today is think about how do we experiment in our classrooms and in order to improve our practice. It's certainly one of the, the key themes to the show. So this is your spoiler warning. There'll be some things that we talk about, but no major spoilers. We've got some Legos in front of you. One of the things, if you're familiar with Ted Lasso, is he asks lots of questions, and he uses those questions to get to know each other. One of the questions they ask is, what's your favorite all-time Julie Andrews character? While they're using language to explain, I want to give you a chance to build, to be creative to that. And so think about your favorite Julie Andrews character, build something that represents that, and then take a photo of it. And if you want to share on social media, use the Hashtag all-time favorite Julie Andrews character, <laughs> so we can find that later if you wish. The actual hashtag is ATFJAC. Make it quick. We're just going to give you about a minute or so. So think about your favorite Julie Andrews character, and then go ahead and create a bill. Take a couple of minutes to share your answers. Don't forget to take a picture. Share it if you want, but at least have that picture available. I often do this with my students as an introduction to this idea of Lego Serious Play. This session is not about Lego Serious Play, but if you want to know more, there's a link to how it's used. It's often connected with the building of a metaphor or telling a story. And what's interesting, in season three of Ted Lasso, we're introduced to a story through Legos. What's going on in terms of relationships with some of the characters based on a Lego stadium that Ted's son, Henry, has built. And so what does that mean to, for these relationships? So what I'd like you all to do, though, is think about a metaphor for teaching math. And again, with the Legos, take a couple of minutes, I'll give you a little more time this time, and build a metaphor for what it means to 
teach mathematics. So again, take a moment and snap a picture of whatever it is that you got. My students, they hate the idea that they have to take it apart, right? So at least this way you have a memory of it. Take a moment to snap a picture and then tell your group, explain what the metaphor is and why. So could I get a couple of people who would be willing to share what they built and why? I think our whole table should share. That's all right. Yeah, go ahead. They are all kind of related, so we'll see if you guys can maybe draw the relation at the end. So I did uh, math is like outer space. And so that's the sun, outer space around it, because it's vast and there's just an infinite possibilities. Teaching math is like tending a forest. You need to know the species of trees, what each one needs. It takes time and nurturing. I have math. Teaching math is like the ocean. Teaching math is like a puzzle. And they all come together. Can I be honest? I was really excited to hear how you were going to tell me about how teaching math is like Batman. I love gingers because I keep thinking about Coach Beard talking about how the forest is a collective and they, they work together to support each other. We can hear his. Do you, can we take a minute to hear Yeah, his? sure. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. all about you guys. Yeah, um, I made a, that's a firework, and then this is the fuse, and it got lit. So everybody's firework is going to go off and explode, but it's the teacher's job to do to, to light it, mm -hmm. and you have to be patient enough to wait until however long that fuse is to see the, <laughs> the beautiful and pretty explosion that happens. Good. Very nice. Thank you. Good. So thank you. And again, there will be other opportunities to reflect on these, and so if in particular something comes up that feels like oh this is the perfect time to share, don't hesitate. I think teaching math is like Batman because we have no superpowers, but we're ready for every chance. Oh. And we're billionaires. <laughs> so part of what happens on the podcast, we do want to think about teaching like Ted Lasso. So we're looking for themes and we do share some scenes. So this is a scene. So, so, so Ted Lasso is a character on the show. Right. And you don't mean necessarily teach like the character. That character, no. It's a very ensemble-driven show, and so we're looking at all of the characters. And this, in this scene, it happens to be Ted, but there are other places where we might lean into one of the other coaches or one of the players. In fact, and there are times where Ted or some of the other coaches do things we would not, we're not encouraging teachers to do. Okay? So this all came about because Dan Meyer challenged us in a not us particularly, but in general challenge us as a community to think about what are some outside maybe cultural things that we think about to improve our practice and John and I had been talking about Ted Lasso and we thought this would be a perfect thing to do and more than anything else it gives us an opportunity to talk to some really cool people about what what they see as these themes and in terms again the theme here is experiments the following is a scene from season one, episode three. So I am officially on the prowl for any new ideas, you hear? Oh. You got something, Nate? Uh, no. Uh, so, uh, no. 
no, God, no, never mind. I'm sorry. Come on now, you're one of us. Let's go. Fire away. What do you got? Okay, right. it's just um, oh no, in the pocket. It's just something that thought of. Um, oh, not that one. It's, you know what? It's not very even very good. It's probably really bad. You know what? It's embarrassing even. I just... Sorry, Nate. I have a real tricky time hearing folks that don't believe in themselves. So I'm gonna ask you real quick again. Do you think this idea will work? Yeah, I do. Whoa! Why are you screaming at us, Nate? We're right here! All right, come on now. Walk us through it. Okay, so I thought if we started the attack on the wing, Jamie could run through near side, then when the defense follows, Sam could fill his spot. So use Jamie as a decoy? No. No. Well, yeah, in, yeah, in this case, yes. Let's give it a shot. What, you're gonna use my play? Yeah, I mean, we're going to try it on, see if it fits. You know, it might not. Then again, it might be a very flattering silhouette. I might wear it right out of the store. It makes me feel good. I start to strut. I'm like, ooh, I like this. I like the way this makes me feel. Show me strut, coach. Yeah, there you go. Yep, that's how it strut. Strut, come on. There you go, Nate. Yeah, that's one way to do it. There you go. That's right. a little angry, but that's all right. That's my fault. I forgot to get you out of this one. Come on, let's go. Strut this one. Here we are. First, can we talk about the scene for just a second? So what did, what did you guys hear in that scene? How does it connect to this idea of experiment? Um, they, they have a brand new idea. They don't know if it works or not. It might fail, but they're going to try it anyways. Yeah. But some kids are so reluctant to put it out there. Like you can you see know, the hesitation of not wanting to start or not. No, digging, no, not that one, not that one. I mean, just kids. Oh, well, yeah, true, like, 100%. Yeah, like teachers, too. They don't want to try something new is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stressful. So, solicit ideas from like the people at the bottom of the organization about how to improve things rather than always the top layer? Yeah, even if you know, don't know any of the backstory, you can tell that Nate does not feel like a participant in this. Yeah, yeah he's clean in the I like the metaphor of the, like dancing because it's so vulnerable to dance, but when you're dancing, it is really fun. Mm -hmm. And so, can you? How do you build the capacity for people to to try dancing and have vulnerability to dance with you, and then and find that joy in learning and trying something new and experimenting? Thank you for sharing. So, as we think about this idea of experimentation, right? Even just the word experiment brings to mind you know, scientists and laboratories. Right, so how are we thinking about teachers as experimenters? Right, so take just a second and talk at your table. How do you see a teacher as an experimenter? I love getting teachers started talking. I hate having to interrupt. There's a, a quotation up here that Dave is, in particular, sometimes draws on Hattie for inspiration. So the remarkable feature of the evidence is that the greatest effects on student learning occur when teachers become learners of their own teaching and when students become their own teachers. One caveat of all that, once you've read that in that book, then stop reading the book. <laughs> uh, I, that is the best review of that book I've ever heard. <laughs> right. So Dave, what is it that jumps out of that quote to you about this idea of experiment? 
Well, I was lucky to be in Tara's session earlier, and as she was talking about all the work that she's done to create workshops and, and stations, she talked very much about what she's learned from the experience. It wasn't something that you knew to do from the beginning. And it's still not. I mean, every time you do it, you learn, oh, I could have done that better. That direction should have been better. I should have placed that somewhere different. Like it's... And it's different. We just talked about first hour versus second hour. Mm-hmm. This can work go great with one group of kids, but then you try it with the same exact activity with the next group of kids, and it's a disaster. So then how do you explain it to that group different the next time you do it? Because you know you're going to try it again, because if it didn't go right, you got to try it again. And then how do you, you know what I mean? How do you change that direction again? Yeah. Um, there were lots of rich conversations going on. What, what did you hear at your table? We talked a little bit about what, because uh, Stephanie had shared that she had, she has the, a lot of ideas, and then she's like, sometimes she's like, I'm just going to go for it. And then I had asked, what conditions um, help you build that risk capacity, that, that welcome, that risk taking? Mm-hmm. And so we talked about having relationships with students in our classroom where we felt that we could, the students trusted us and allowed us to make mistakes too, and we were together as learners. And uh, Ryan shared about having partners, colleague partners, that either you you plan together or you take risks together, or at least even just having someone to talk through ideas with, yeah. um, building that risk tolerance. That's such a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. Other people, what did you hear? Uh, we, we talked about how we're working with people in education and teaching. We're not working with plastic and metal and mm-hmm. acrylic and you know things like people. And teaching is inherently relational, so that idea that that you're going to always be experimenting because relationships are unpredictable. People are unpredictable. Anything else? These ideas aren't new, right? Like this is something we've known about teaching, and I always love when like the conclusion of some big research study is something, and I think, John Dewey said that, right? He espoused the idea of an iterative approach to advanced education. Great teaching needs to be observed, analyzed, expanded on, tested, and improved. So I just want you to think about that for your own teaching for a second. Right? Like, so where is the iteration coming from? Uh, sometimes it feels obvious, like Tara was saying, oh, that bombed. Right? You have immediate visceral feedback. Right, but but how else? Like, what kicks off that iterative cycle? And the two parts of it are, you know, like monitoring how did that go, and then what am I going to monkey with? What am I going to change for the next time? So uh, go ahead and take a minute to talk at talk at the tables. This part of the discussion felt really intense, like it's like, like kind of buckling down, getting to the nuts and bolts. One of, the, one of the show connections here is that Ted is kind of famous for his mustache. And people on the show at one point are shocked to find out it was not always a mustache. He had to go through other facial hairs before he wound up with this iconic mustache. So even something that at one point we might be famous for, other people know us for, that's, that's not where we start. So what did you hear at your table? Like, what does that iterative process look like? Or what are some of the things that you're gathering is data, or where do you get your ideas to change, or what you're going to change? Tara, I might ask you, because we get to send a lot of our student teachers to Tara's classroom. And I gladly accept them. It is, it's an amazing experience. 
And Tyra will sometimes check with us ahead of time. It's like, is this somebody who's going to work? Because they work. Legit. Yeah. We're not, they're not going to sit and observe. <laughs> yeah. So could you share what you were, you were sharing at the table? When I read that, I immediately thought about hosting a student teacher. And the, they have to observe so many times, even as a veteran teacher, you're sitting in PD, and they tell you, you've got to do this. These are the three things you got to do. This is what it's going to look like. And you don't know what it's going to look like. It's just described to you, or you're supposed to read an article, and then do it. Well, I think that observation key is its such a big part of learning how to do something. And I would say like when hosting those pre-service teachers, they have to observe, but then write next hour, now you get to do it. And like talk about, okay, this just didn't go about first hour, so what can we do to change it? Now make it your own, tweak it for second hour, so analyze it, now expand on it, we're gonna test it again. And then, okay, well, who wants to do a fifth hour? Like, we'll take what we learned first and second hour, redo it again fifth hour. You want to do it, you want me to do it. Like, you have to, you've got to let them observe, though. I think too many times, they either observe too long and don't get to get in the mix, or they just go, oh, go do it. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, and it, it's nice to get a good observation. But you don't want them to observe garbage. Sometimes it's okay to have a bad example because then you pick up what you don't want to do. One of the things that, I, that you're saying I hear is the, that idea of observing allows to take some of the pressure off and so you can have a more focused intention when you're diving in because teaching is so much. So by either framing it or getting to observe how you did all these other things in a way, almost mm -hmm. subconscious, but then discussing this part, that's what that person can really focus on when they're going in and they've kind of picked up some things that they don't because teaching I think in our keynote, you know, we talked about all the different things that we have to decide and all those discretions, right? And so there's so much, but if we can have like a focus or, you know, we identify focus or we see something and we can kind of dive deep on that or observe that or analyze that and then move on to the next thing that you think is exciting or dive deeper or stretch or grow or whatever, and that, that helps. But if you have to do all of it all at the time, and, and I think sometimes with evaluation and observation, it's observing everything and so it puts a lot of pressure and it, it's stifles some growth. So if you can focus intentionally on something specific, then I think you do see some good growth. Well, and that goes to the puzzle. I mean, you made a puzzle and you made a puzzle of math is like, and that's, you're gonna do this little thing and then this puzzle's gonna pieces gonna fit here and then this one's gonna come here and then it still has no edges, but we just keep making the puzzle. Be really mindful of the big picture and also right. the detail. Right. Big picture and this detail. Thank you. Other tables, what did you hear? We heard Kathy describe a protocol that she worked with as a coach in a classroom that gave that teacher a tool to do this cycle. In a daily basis? Or on a daily basis. On a daily basis. So like really narrowing in and, and less about the whole of teaching, um, but like when one is teaching, having a tool, a protocol to run through that actually helps us get through these observation, analyze, test, and improve can be really valuable. So it's not something that just happens by accident. Right. It's an intentional protocol that you run through to help us get through all those phases. Yeah, it's a protocol called uh, Do Now. It's the beginning of the class and an exit ticket. The exit ticket, so the Do Now has one quick review question and uh, one question relating to the learning target of that lesson. And that, in the beginning, was new to both of us. So we were, it was like, that was the challenge, was what to pick as the review, and what am I gonna use for, what is the learning target? 
regularly, as you know, and then they do that and then while the students are doing something throughout, you know, the teacher kind of goes through and kind of sorts a quick sort into has it or almost mm -hmm. with no names, just and then shares with the students, okay, 17 out of 24, not yet, and seven have it. And then the exit ticket is the exact same question from the lesson, so it's, it keeps it simple, right? You don't have to create a third mm -hmm. thing. And they do that same question then at the end, and then the teacher does the same thing, real quick sorts. Okay, now 22 out of 24. And it helped the teacher focus in on their learning target, and somehow it was unbelievably, it was a third grade classroom, unbelievably motivating for the students they really wanted to increase that at the end. I don't know, I don't know what the phenomenon is, but, it, but what it did is allowed her to, to analyze, and then she could observe the, the work they did to see, you know, even the ones who didn't have it had something more than they had at the beginning. That's interesting. So one of the things I heard as I was kind of eavesdropping was how many of you kind of share this process with your learners? Like there's ways that they know that you're working on this. Right, mm -hmm. and and just like that, right? That that really invites them in. Like, if even you, the teacher, are still working on this stuff, how could they not be a part of that? If those relationships are built, it keeps coming back to the cat. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a cat. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't get a chance to explain that out loud. So, so how do you connect the cat to the teaching? I just said that. Like students and sometimes students learning math, you really have to like work for their love and respect. And so, so like cats, they're just not like friendly off the bat. You kind of got to work for that affection. They're not puppies. <laughs> you get a couple puppies. I don't know your name. Jill. 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 You also talked about growth mindset as it relates to this and then had an acronym for FAIL. Oh, a first attempt in learning. And so again, do we give ourselves and do we give our learners that permission to fail? First attempt in learning. One of the reasons I bring that up is because our expert guest, Ella Benner, added to that to me and said failure, first attempt in learning, unless reflection exists. Mm -hmm. And so the importance of reflection the importance of looking back, and, and Dewey said it as well. And what Ella did was introduce me, back to Ginger's point, introduce me to a problem-solving protocol, a problem-solving tool called Innovator's Compass that helped me to be able to make the work that we do more intentional. Literally, it says on top, five ways we move forward in any challenge, big or small. With and for everyone involved, we explore new possibilities in these five questions. It's a circle in the center. And it's red and it has two people in it with little hearts in them. The question there is who's involved or are people in any situation? Um, and then there's this compass and we go down to the lower left and that brings us down to details. It's the bottom part of the compass, what's happening in the past and present. And we're looking to just see what's happening and why right now, right? Like, just like you, you know, go, someone came to you with a feeling down about something, you'd say, you'd see them as a person first and then you'd probably say, hey, what's happening? <laughs> like try to understand, you know, what's happening and why. Gather some real observations to go on. There's two pictures here, like a, an up, upper picture frame and a lower picture frame. You probably try to find some upsides that are happening and maybe some, you know, what are the downsides of what's happening? You try to understand. And then zooming up, the top of the compass is big picture. You went from details, you zoom up to big picture. 
find the question, what matters most? Because we can get stuck overwhelmed with all the things that are happening. And so being able to see the big picture, hey, what matters most about all of that so that I can focus? There's a star here because those are your guiding stars or your North Star or the things that you star, mm-hmm. um, you know, like on your page, right? On your, on your to-do list, the things that matter most or some guiding principles, like getting started, getting principles for yourself. And then we go over to the top right and we find we're still big picture, but now we're moving from past and present to the future. And we're looking for the big picture of what ways, plural, are there you know, to do what matters most or ideas. And they, there's a fluffy you know, blue sky cloud here because these can be fluffy, dreamy, blue sky ideas. We have to have space to do that. We can be stuck you know, seeing no way or only one way to do what matters. Either of those is kind of stuck, right? <laughs> because if it's like my way or the highway, that doesn't work so well. Um, or just kind of like my ways, right? That we're not really excited about that aren't really, you know, we're not gonna you know, get to the moon unless we shoot the stars, right? So that's that space, that's that space to dream. But we all ask that like, okay, well, we really wanna like, you know, go to New York, what ways are there to do that, right? We all ask these questions, none of them are rocket science. And then we come back down. Um, to details and of the future and say, okay, well, what's the stuff to try, right? Like if we decide, oh, I think we're going to do the train. Well, we're not going to get on that train unless there's a who, what, when, where, how, you know, to get on the train. It just remains an idea. So what's the stuff to try? And the picture here is a pile of blocks that are kind of tipping over. They go from big on the bottom to small on top, and they weren't tipping off over until my then four-year-old daughter said, well, experiments are kind of like, they don't usually work at first. Didn't that pile look like it's falling over? And I kind of cringed, which which was exactly why I realized they should be falling over because we need to get used to that. (laughs) We need to be comfortable with that. And, you know, it's the top one that's falling off. It's a little bitty one. It's no big deal, right? And, you know, as you go, you build up and you, you know, the blocks get more solid and you have bigger blocks and you'll you'll build your way there. This is just the first step and, you, you know, you'll learn from it and you'll go on. And so, while they are numbered, because that is the way that most processes will have you go, though, you know, the safe thing to do is to see people, what's happening for them, what matters most for them before you start throwing out a bunch of ideas to change things. But they're really just five ways that we move forward. And we use these piecemeal all the time, right? Like, you know, your kid, like start listing all the things that they want to do or they need to do. And you're like, okay, well, which one matters most to you right now? You know, you ask these questions all the time when you get unstuck, when you move forward in powerful ways. And when we don't, we're missing something somewhere. So let's just name them. I like to say this is about being curious, getting clear, getting creative, getting courageous and being compassionate in the middle. Very simple, very straightforward. It was really helpful for me, again, to, to have this tool to start thinking about helping teachers improve their practice, helping students improve their mathematical problem solving. When she says we do this all the time, I connect it with Ted Lasso because there's so many examples of that in Ted Lasso when it works. In the last episode of season one, They are close to relegation. They're close to being dropped because their team is so bad, okay? They had such a rough start, and they need to beat their arch rival, uh, Manchester City, and they don't think they can do it. The three coaches at this point, Beard, Ted, and they've elevated Nate to coach now, are thinking about how to beat Man City, and they're like, we just can't do it. They are stuck. So this was what Ella was talking about. This is what you need to do when you're stuck. But they don't have the compass. So they're stuck, they're talking, and as a result, 
Ted comes in the next day and tells the boss, Rebecca, that she would have been better off, observation, she would have been better off if she'd hired an actual football coach. He is an American football coach, not an English football coach. And so that's his observation because they've gone through all these possibilities. Nothing seems to work. What I love about Ella's representation that's two frames, there's often multiple ways to think about that frame. And his boss, Rebecca, has a different framework. And that framework is, there's a great saying in Dutch football, every disadvantage has an advantage. That's a different framing of that work. And as a result of that observation, Ted comes up with a new... It's not just about beating Manchester City. They can narrow in on a new principle. What matters most is creating chaos. He can do that because he can see things in a different way than any other coach can. And so he's got a brand new North Star. How is he going to create chaos? So he comes to the team and he asks the team, what are some trick plays? And the team who are involved in the people, along with the coaches, along with the front office, along with the fans and the business people in the area, he brings in the rest of the team and he gets some trick plays. And he includes his own, which is called the Lasso Special. And then they go out. One of the things we haven't really talked about is this idea of practice. This is actually in the game. They're running Lasso Special. They've gone through this multiple times. Those of you who are coaches know you go to practice, right? You run the plays, you tweak the plays, you figure out what's working and what needs work. If we do this intentionally, if we have this protocol where we can do it intentionally and are paying attention to all aspects of it, then our experiments tend to get better and better and better because the work is more focused. What questions might you have about the compass? How do you use it in teaching? How do you use it in teaching? All right. Ella said these numbers go in order, but you can start anywhere. So what I'd like you to start with is that build that you made, the Batman or the space or the tree or the cat or whatever, and put that in your principles. That's what matters most for you as you're thinking about your teaching practice. So start there. That'll give you direction. And then, at the top, think about what's your challenge. What's a challenge that you have as you're thinking about teaching or coaching or whatever, running PDs, things like that. What's a challenge that you have, a place where you're either stuck or where you find yourself navigating uncharted territory. A compass is good for that, too, if you're trying to do something new for the first time. Put your challenge on the top. And then start thinking about those observations. What are some things that you know that have worked or maybe need work in the future? What are some ideas? When ideas come up, don't judge them as good or bad. Just put them in there. What are some ideas that you have? And who are the people involved? But let's not get to experiments. And let's start by thinking about observations, making sure we have a clear vision of where we're headed, ideas, and who's involved. So take just a couple minutes and jot down as much as you can and fill in. If you want to keep these fresh, you should know that all of this is free on Ella's uh, website, Innovator's Compass, so you don't need to worry about writing on these. But take a moment and just jot down your observations, ideas, principles, and people. Go ahead.
Can you, principles, that's just your build. That's just what you said teaching math is. You can put that in there. It's about a puzzle. It's about looking at the space. It's about... Does the Julie Andrews thing fit in here somewhere? If you want to put Julie Andrews in here, that's always an idea. How can Julie Andrews? I often use zombies. I force my students to come up with an idea that involves zombies. My students use this for lesson planning. and. When they're lesson planning, they're coming up with something for statistics. And I say, okay, you need a zombie activity. It just cr helps them to be creative in the way that they're thinking about these things. They do, they're great. Experiments can be the scary part. It's trying something new. It's being worried about being judged. Ella has some suggestions. I don't want to gloss over, all five of those questions are important and our participants will have a chance to look at all five of them. But I've heard you give some very good detail about how to do the experiment part. I think that that would be helpful. To me, one of the simplest ways to think about how to explore any of these things is, first of all, to use periods to unpack what you think, but then look for some exclamation points, some ahas, right? Like find new possibilities. And then the last one, but the, really the most exciting one, is the question mark, when in doubt let it out just pop a question mark on it when you don't know or to let thoughts come and go right like being the perfect parent or teacher if that's one of your principles pop a question mark on it and see what it opens up for you it's really kind of amazing so then my prompts in the pocket compass are really just how to find more of those ahas and then this this cue card uh, has two prompts for each of the spaces for each of the questions one is to find more exclamation points, more ahas, the same thing that's in a pocket compass. And then there's a there's a prompt around question marks, how to find those. So that's this is the greatest detail. So I'm going to literally read what is on here about experiments. So experiments, what's the step to try? So the exclamation point aha tip is make it small. One dollar, one day, one person, or one part of an idea. And it's pointing to the little bitty cube, the little bitty block on the top of the stack. Um, and now pointing to details. Small with specific details, so small and specific, like who, what, when, where, how, until you'll try it. If it's, if it's not happening yet, it needs to be smaller and or more specific until it happens. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I just did that, look at that. How cool is that, right? So that's the aha, that's the aha, right? That you come to like, oh my God, I just did that. The question mark prompt is to focus on the question marks you found above, right? So when you were like, Oh, I'm actually not really sure what's happening. I don't know why he's late to school every day, question mark. Or do I have to be the first mom, perfect mom? I, I don't know, right? Or with ideas, right? If you let out that question, like I could have 10,000 elephants at the, at, the, at the birthday party and I put a question mark on it because that's how I let it out. Now you have all these question marks that you've collected. And so the question mark tip is simply to focus on question marks that you found before and then go back and see what happens, right? So an experiment, can be trying out part of an idea, but it might actually be finding out more about what's happening. Like, you know, I'm gonna go try asking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try watching and see which days he's late and not and why, or I'm gonna go ask him more about it. That can be an experiment. It doesn't have to be trying out an idea. When I've seen you present on this, Ella, you often, when we're into that experiment piece, ask them to think about something that they can specifically do in the next week. Do you still try to do that? Do you still espouse that as you're doing that work? Yeah, I really love 
I mean, so here I say small and specific, so they have to pick a who, what, when, where, and how, and I, I mean, I guess it doesn't technically have to be in the next week, but it's good if it is. I do really like the framing that I've heard of someday and Monday. So the someday is like the ideas space, right? All these ways I could possibly do this someday. And experiments is like the Monday, right? Like, so you have to pick a specific when, and no, it probably shouldn't be in three weeks because you're going to completely forget about it by then. I mean, or it's too big, right? If you think that it's going to take you three weeks, you know, to be able to do this thing, maybe what can you try that's smaller? You know, that is right now. And the best is if it's in the next 24 hours, because that's when you'll remember it or the very next thing you do. Yeah, go ahead. If you're looking for what she was just showing us there, yeah. you go to the Innovators Compass website and you go to the resource collection page and there's a section in there called tips. And that is where you can find yep. what she was just showing. There's a wealth of information. So focus on your experiments. Take that idea of maybe it's about asking questions. You're trying to create a new course. Maybe instead of developing the course, it's asking questions about where can I find material. So what's the experiment? What's the thing that you can try on Monday? This is a place where if you need help from collaboration, go ahead and ask some other people some ideas about what they might do. But give yourself a couple of minutes to think about an experiment to try. September, they're kind of getting their ideas and start. Yeah, so that, like, you, you all brought it up, like the focus, right? And so one of the other things is when I do a long presentation, I think talk about this focus. When you're in observation, you get as much information as possible. Oh, yes, When you're in principles, you're focused. It was good. I'm not going to get Pullman. So do we have someone who'd be willing to share an experiment that they're going to try to do on Monday? I'm going to open up the document you sent me. You're going to open up the document I sent you from yep. Jeff Crawls yep. about problem-based learning. Yep. That's all you have to do, right? And then make observations. Keep in mind what your build was and what's important. Is it still what's important or have you come up with some other? Why? Why are we making this change? I don't think it's too much to say that this whole idea of believe and what our values are informing our work is important. Otherwise, we're just going through the motions. Having some clarity of focus, that's why we do the build at the beginning. Kathy and I, when we were working on developing what we wanted to do for our, our RV trailer, it was simply a matter of we got to ask a question because building the whole thing was overwhelming. Well, some things were no were no question. We had complete agreement on, and then there were others that we just weren't, not that we disagreed, we just weren't sure. Like, do we want a bathroom in this little thing or not? So we didn't have to actually build and put a bathroom in. We could just either talk to other people who did that or we could think about other experiences. The same thing, if you're planning a lesson, one is definitely to be able to just test it out, but you can also, hopefully, if you're in a collaborative team, you can share it with somebody else and ask them, what do you think? And get some feedback with that. One of the recurring themes is this idea of the diamond dogs. Coach Beard says the diamond dogs are a group of, and we're gonna use educators, committed to supporting each other by sharing their intimate thoughts, feelings, and experiences. You in or out. And feelings is an important piece of this. In the longer version of the recording with Ella, she really laid out the importance of, as educators, we need to think about feelings. 
So you've got a feedback form. What were some things that you liked about this was an experiment? Okay, what were some things that we should do if we do future experiments? What would some things that you take away from this experiment, some ideas that you have, and what some questions you have that you still have? And you don't have to fill out all of them, but we would certainly appreciate your feedback will make it better for us. And Dave has a handy suggestion box for you. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's fancy. Of course you do. Like the show. That's fancy. And again, we do have a podcast. If you have ideas, we're still looking. You don't have to talk about the show. It's just talking about teaching. Yeah, Ella had never seen the show. But I told her that wasn't the purpose. We would make the connections. She yeah. didn't have to. Sure. I think our, our guests probably run close to 50-50. Thank you so much. You had lots of choices, especially this last day and, and with weather looming. So thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate you.